Welcome to the Age-Friendly Dayton Podcast. This is a program showcasing insights and fascinating stories about the many age-friendly achievements happening in Dayton. Please welcome your host, Age-Friendly Dayton champion Donna Kastner and producer Terry O'Brien. All right, all right, all right. Donna, I'm doing my Matthew McConaughey I love it. Episode number six, right here, right now, Donna. Right here, right now. And our theme today, Terry, yep. is the transition from traditional work to retirement. Uh, what are we calling that? Kind of the retirement segue. <laughs> retirement segue. I don't know. It's just that it's, it's the whole move. It's it, it, when do I retire? How do I retire? What am I going to do in retirement? So this is for people who are, are getting close or maybe have already passed and now they're retired, but they're kind of not sure what to do. Is that what we're trying to figure out? A little bit. That transition can be jarring, especially if a lot of what you, you know, you're doing all this thing full throttle in a full-time job. Right. And when it stops on a dime, it can be jarring. It can, I guarantee you it would be jarring. If you had to get up and not know what to do, it would be very jarring. Yeah. So what do you, what's your suggestions for folks? You know, well, first of all, I, I, I want to, there's some incredible research going on and, and everybody makes their decision on when to retire with different factors in mind, okay? Some Usually people, it's financial, isn't it? Like, Yeah, I, I, I can retire once this happens. In fact, retirement, the, you know, 65 was the magical age we right? thought about for years. Now it's closer to 67 and quite frankly, Social Security, that finish line got pushed back. So now the finish line that's thought traditionally is somewhere in your you know 67-ish stage maybe 70 um but i guess the bottom line when do you retire it looks different and it's a different timing for each individual and it's it is financially driven it is um here's another thought if the work you do is uh right drudgery right um you're going to be looking to retire sooner um, if the work that you do, you enjoy, maybe you want to start to dial it down some. Yep. Um, that's a, a wonderful transition point into an encore chapter where maybe you're staying engaged, but in a very flexible capacity. And, and that the, the guest that we have on today, uh, I've heard a lot about in the Centerville area. I've heard his name hundreds of times. And he is like the, the, the poster child for what to do after retirement. Is that correct? He totally is. And those, those of you out there, Mike Beavis, I mean, people know him for so many different things. And he has been my mentor around this whole work and, um, and volunteerism in retirement, what this next chapter looks like. So he's going to be joining us in just a bit. Um, but it's really interesting even watching him and his segue. I mean, he models some really good thoughts on what to do in this next life chapter. Well, you know, back when we were kids, we were watching the Honeymooners and Ralph Cramden would walk in with this uh, lunchbox and Alice. Alice. You know, you could picture to the, the moon, fact, Alice. He was driving a bus. He was probably thinking, I can retire in 20 years. But a lot of people really enjoy their work. Yeah. They really enjoy what they do. Yeah. And they don't want to give it up, even though they're reaching the age of 62, 65, 67. And that's a great point, Terry. So for those people that just found joy, there were joyful moments, maybe not all the time. Right. It's a segue. It's a very um, interesting transition. For others, that it, it was physically taxing. There were things going on that weren't enjoyable. Um, it might be an opportunity to do something new. What we do know and what the research tells us is stopping abruptly and not ha not doing anything. I mean, aside from leisure and leisure's fun. Don't get me wrong. But not having a purpose, 
oh, yeah. um, an, an emission that can have negative impact on health, longevity, happiness. Oh, yeah. You want the quickest way to the grave? Be bored. Be bored. Watch, watch uh, the next. What is it? Uh, Law and Order rerun, right? Oh, yeah, I I cannot stand being bored. I got to do something all the time. So that's and keep in mind um, with all that's going on, there's a lot of economic turbulence going on. And now I'm reading research says that almost half of people retire sooner than they plan to. They kind of it might have been a layoff. You know, I do believe that older workers uh, typically are higher compensated and True. often are targets for that's layoffs. Absolutely. But isn't there a great, which is a great segue into bringing our guest here in a minute, uh, isn't it a great story that these older workers have all the knowledge, wisdom, and skill, but th- because it costs so much, maybe if you can get them at a, at a part-time rate or something like that, but you can rely on their knowledge... Uh, it's going to really help your business out. Yes, and that's exactly the conversation we're going to be having with Mike. And I do think it's like, so understanding, first of all, understand what are your superpowers? Okay, you did a lot of things. What are the things you did really well? And are they in demand? And then how do I connect with employers that are seeking this? So that, in a nutshell, is going to be our interview in a moment. All right, well, in that case, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back with Mike. All right, we'll be right back, folks. Thanks to the Del Mar Incor Fellows Initiative at the Dayton Foundation for making this age-friendly Dayton podcast possible. Since 2017, the Dayton Foundation has deployed numerous highly skilled older adults into the community to work as Del Mar Encore Fellows to help communities solve problems and create new opportunities. Thank you again to the Dayton Foundation for making this age-friendly Dayton podcast possible. Hey, Donna, welcome back. We're back here, and I'm so excited to hear the story of this next guy. He, in in our area, Centerville, Washington Township, he's like a legend. Everywhere I go, every meeting I go, I hear his name. So why don't you tell the folks out there who we have sitting across from you? Terry, you're right. A, a true legend and an incredible go-giver. Um, Mike Beavis is joining us today. We're going to focus on employment and civic engagement um, within the context of retirement. And thank you, John Sullivan, if you're out there listening, because you, you know, you don't meet people. Usually it's the introductions. And John introduced me to Mike. And Mike's been wonderful as far as helping me get up to speed on a few things. Welcome, Mike Beavis. Thank you, Donna. I think I'm in trouble already. You're in trouble, Mike. <laughs> trouble. Hey, why don't we just start off with, tell us a little bit more about you, your background, and, and kind of what led to the things you're doing today. Great. Well, thanks, Donna. I appreciate that. And it's nice to be with you and share some uh, some things. Um, just pretty simple background. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, then um, went to Miami University and ended up spending three years in the Navy, which was quite interesting. It was like getting a haircut and seeing the world. So it was during the Vietnam War. And then I came back to, um, back to Centerville and fell into a job with Huffy Bicycles. And I was fortunate to be hired in during what was called the bicycle boom. Uh, Huffy at the time was very small. Uh, they were probably maybe 80 million in the time at that time. And um, they... Uh, was like number seven, number eight in the industry, and within about four, five, six, seven years, we took it to number one in the industry. So I spent 24 years with Huffy, as I said, very fortunate. Following that, I had a, um, a career in the barcode industry, uh, mostly with Avery Dennison for about four or five years, and then ran a company in Beaver Creek called Edict Systems, and Edict is involved in EDI, electronic data, um, interchange and so um, everything that you buy at the store has a barcode on it it's scanned and as you were saying you just came from um, 
from a grocery store. So they scan it. They scan your loyalty card. They know who you are. They know what you buy. They so know a lot. They know all. <laughs> so it's all uh, all through elect, um, uh, electronic data. And then about, um, geez, I guess it's now 15 years ago, 16 years ago, um, I started a company called Strategic Sales and Marketing Partners. And I call myself a timeshared exec. And I help small and medium-sized companies run their business when they're too busy running their business. I take things off their um, off their table, off their plate, off their in uh, inbox, and I'm kind of a consultant on speed. Many times, consultants will listen to you. They will give you a report, take your check, and they're gone. And I come in every week or every other week to make sure that you are doing that. Um, yesterday, I spent some time with a gentleman who um, is a CEO of a company, and he wants to retire in five years. And he doesn't know how to get there, and he's kind of freaked out about what's going to happen in five years and who's going to run the company and what's he going to do with his life at that time. So I'm going to help him. We'll meet probably monthly for the next five years, assuming both of us are still around, to kind of help um, glide him uh, into that and do it through, I guess, actually... Um, uh, talking about what what's his dream for five years out and how do we turn the dream into a plan. So that's what I, I help uh, my clients do. So, I, go ahead. Go, I was just going to say, uh, that's a fascinating story, right? You're... Would you mind saying your age just so we know? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'll be 76 next month. So at the age of 60, 15 years ago, you decided, I'm going to start another company. Correct. Okay. Yes. So why, why wasn't retirement appealing to you? Why was it sitting back and fishing and watching Andy Griffith reruns exciting to you? Um, well, I'm not a big TV watcher, I guess, is one thing. The, the other <laughs> thing is is that uh, my dad retired way too early. He retired in his, in his 60s, and he got bored. Um, and I, I will fish occasionally with my brothers. Yeah. Um, actually, in the spring, we went about five hours north of Toronto and uh, did some fishing. And I think the people from Labatt's and Molson's were happy to see us um, um, come back home. <laughs> but... Um, uh, I, I was, um, when I was working in the edict systems, I had a client of mine tell me that he, he loved working in his shop and making parts, but he hated running his company. He didn't want to hire people, didn't know how to hire people, um, had no strategic plan, didn't know who his customers were. Um, his advertising at that time was basically through Yellow Pages, uh, and I fell off my chair. So um, I let him work in the shop, and I helped him run his company, and we did that together for about, I don't know, six or seven years. But he just didn't want to get away from his um, CNC machine. He, he wanted somebody else to help him run his company. That's crazy. I love the, yeah. the way Mike frames this as a time-shared executive. Um, so essentially, and I, I, so for our listeners out there that are thinking about this graceful segue, um, you're on retainer per se, you know, and under certain, like we're going to get together once a month or once a week or what have you, whatever the terms are. And I love also, you're right, consultants come in and help. Um, they help companies solve complex issues. But if you don't stick around, they're going to slide right, right back into their old ways and that ongoing that's involvement. A, that's exactly right. There are um, certain things that small companies don't like to do. Um, they struggle with hiring people. How do you find the right people? They really struggle with firing people, um, and because they, their heart can't handle it. I right. think. Yeah. And so um, I've I've helped companies actually terminate people by working with them for three or four months or so, and 
getting them to understand, you know, are you really in the right market? Are you really in the right job? Have you considered upgrading your, updating your resume and maybe moving to another company or another position? Um, so, yes, well, I, I mostly work on an hourly basis, but I have set times like um, today I'm, I'm with a manufacturing company from around 1 o'clock and I'll probably work with them until about 3.30. Um, another company I'll be with from probably about four till about five thirty. So I have set times that I work with with different companies. But what do you? I mean, when you're in that room with that company you're talking to from one to three thirty, is it? Is there anything off the table? Are you basically focused on accounting? Are you basically focused on marketing? What is what is the areas you're trying to focus on? It's a mixture. I think the first thing is I will ask an owner of a company, what keeps you awake at night? Um, and the, like the gentleman I was working with, as I said uh, last night, um, who wants to retire in five years, um, he said, there just are so many problems that you know, I just... I just don't know how to face them. So the first thing I say is, is that um, what keeps you awake at night? And we list those. The second thing is what sits on your desk that you don't, you don't get completed. Tell me about your sales plan, your marketing plan, your strategic plan. And a lot of small companies don't do that. And that's one thing that we talked about through Aileron is Aileron does help small companies operate like big companies. So we do that. And then the next thing is, is like, where do you want to go? <clears throat> Many companies are struggling with their sales are flat. Their sales are declining. They don't know who their customers are. So we'll sit through, I have a list of about 30 different questions that I use that I call kind of, um, oh, just, just uh, I guess, just to try to understand what is the health of the company. Um, kind of like talking to your doctor. What hurts you today? What bothers you? Why are you here to see me? Um, and I go through those, and then I will tailor those and with, with each company. And then we talk about, okay, so what can we accomplish in a month? What can we accomplish in um, six months or a year? Um, a lot of it, though, is sales-oriented, uh, sales compensation, um, sales quotas. Um, who, do you, um, who do you call on? For example, if, you, if 100% of your business is with um, Honda, have you considered selling Toyota? Have you thought about selling uh, Subaru? And many times, people are so focused with one current customer that they can't think beyond that. So I, I help them try to expand their, their horizons, too, and think... Um, and kind of think beyond that as to where they want to go. And I think the main thing is, is really growing. If, if you want to grow your company, then you'll come to me. And I will admit, at the beginning, when I do work with, with companies that are struggling with their salespeople, the salespeople in the first week or two, they will not like me. They think I'm there to fire them. But then after a couple of weeks, they realize I'm there to help them grow and expand. Um, I helped one company that was paying five salespeople um, a salary and no commission. But the, the business was going nowhere. So we cut their salary and we put them on a uh, half salary and then half commission. If they have the same sales this year that they had last year, they'll make about the same amount. But if they sell more, they'll make more. And of course, if they sell less, they'll make less. All right. So, Mike, I want to make, make sure because we're talking about Encore um, life change. Like this is your second act kind of thing. Third act, you know, really when you think about Actually, it. Actually, yeah, based mm -hmm. what he went through. Yep. Uh, the, if this is your second or third act for somebody listening out there, this, we're just listening to you for a few minutes. This is your passion. Yep. This is what you love to do, right? Do you have anything outside of this? Like, are you a golfer? Do you ever enjoy doing things like that, that the normal retirement guy would do? Uh, I don't know what a normal retirement guy is, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I have some passions. Um, the first thing I, 
when I started my company, I thought, well, you know, I'll work four days a week and then play golf on Friday. Yeah. And of course, my longest and largest customer ended up wanting to see me every Friday as we ran <laughs> we ran the sales meetings for for his sales force. So I do play golf occasionally. Um, I probably get out a couple times a month, not as much as I would like. Um, you know, my goal with golf is to um, not hurt myself and not break any windows or or things like that. But I, I will play socially. Um, but you're not doing you're not doing all these things for money, right? This I I, I get this sense that you're doing this because you love yeah. to do this. It, it also gives me time to, to volunteer, and we'll talk, I think, a little bit more about that. But uh, I think um, giving back, I think, through the volunteer side, I think is is important to me, too. So and I want to jump in, because really mm-hmm. there is a, a crossroads. You kind of have some choices as you're moving into this stage of life. And some people, it's work, and it's income-generating assignments. For others, it's volunteerism. Mike, um, what I just love in <clears> watching him is he has a perfect, what I see as an ideal blend of work and altruistic activities that supports the community. But let me step back. Um, I watch you in these timeshared executive gigs, and you're at a high-level guiding companies. If our listeners are out there, maybe they were that mid-level professional on, I think of, what is it, when Harry met Sally? I'll have what Mike's having. You know, (laughs) if they want to do this, like, what are your tips? What's your advice? Because maybe they're just near the end of their traditional work world, and how do they make that transition? Well, there's a couple things. I think when I first started thinking about doing this, I came across a company, which I don't think is here anymore. They were called uh, Interim America. And Interim America is a, or at least was a company, kind of like um, a temp agency, but for senior level executives. And um, I, I found that they did some things like, let's say you're merging two companies, and you want to try to determine which people to keep and which ones not to keep. Or if your um, vice president of marketing was out having a hip replaced or maybe having a baby or things like that, they would send someone in and do the job. So I liked that concept of um, this interim um, management type of a position. And then I came across an article, which I probably still carry with me somewhere, called Super Temps. It talks about people in their upper 50s, 60s that maybe want to spend more time with their grandchildren. Um, Maybe they do want to play golf more. Maybe they do want to fish more. Maybe they want to travel more. Uh, At least I heard a story yesterday that when people retire, they normally wait until they're in their 80s or 90s to start eating down their 401ks, and that's too (laughs) late to travel. You're better off to travel, um, you know, in your 60s or in your upper 50s or in your 70s. And we just came back actually from a a 10-day trip to Germany during... um, over the, the Christmas uh, season, uh, we were visited all the, the German Christmas markets, and so we got away to do that. So I think that kind of propelled me on my way to say that, you know, I could, I could do this on a part-time job. And actually, I've been busier with this company and this, this position than I really thought I would be. So how do you get out of that, right? Yeah, because, how do you? Because you have a runway. Mm-hmm. We all have a runway. How do you know when's the right time to say, okay, this really is time to... Um, I think probably there might, there might be a couple ways to do that. The first thing is is that I think I've learned how to fire a customer. <laughs> if a customer's not listening to me, but they're still paying me, um, I get the feeling that I'm wasting my time and wasting their money. So it's time, and sometimes you get customers to a certain position right. that you know you, it's time to move on. Um, and sometimes you, you're not sure whether you are... Um, you know whether you are a crutch to a customer, or maybe you are you are drugs to a customer, um, you're, or a crutch. 
Um, but there are times that you, you have to move on. So when how do you get out of this? Well, probably there's there's be some time when, when I probably will not have as many customers as I have today. I have five or six, and some, some gigs will run Oh, six months or nine months, but my, one of my gigs ran eleven years. Yeah. So um, when when it would I think wane when it would go down to um, uh, only having a, a couple customers, um, but but then again, about the time you think, like when COVID came, it was it was tough to um, to keep up with customers. You use Zoom a lot, a lot on a lot of meetings um, on phones and things like that. Um, but um, and I lost a couple customers during COVID, and I built back most of them. But I was meeting with with a friend um, last Friday, and he said, "You know, I, one of the companies I help is a company in Boston. They're an auto parts company, and they said they're just kind of dead. You think you, would you be willing to go to Boston to help somebody?" I said, "Sure, I'll go anywhere, without a doubt." So I think if 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 I would get down to the point that I would have one or two customers, um, it, it would be time to probably you know say enough already. I've often thought also, and I've tried, I haven't been successful, but to bring on somebody um, younger than me, someone 10, 12, 15 years younger than me, who could start taking over some of my smaller accounts, learn, I could phase out a little bit. We right. could share some cus- some customers, and I've done that. That's why I called my company Strategic Sales and Marketing Partners, because I have a, a partner who who can do creative for me. I have a partner who's, who can smile and dial and, and do um, phone calls. I have a person that can, um, uh, that can help me with, with compensation. So I don't do everything myself. I have these partners that help me. And that connects to this whole concept of having a, a strong network you can call on. I mean, again, Mike's mastering that. And Mike, you're, you're not just, so, so you've got the work side where you're, you know, the, the executive supporting a half a dozen companies, but you're also kind of spanning the generations locally and bringing them together as, you know, people that are moving through their own careers. Tell us, you're going to love this, Terry. Oh, He's no. got a group called the Panarians. The Panarians. Tell us about the Panarians. I think I have all your albums. <laughs> well, uh, I think it was during the recession, maybe 2008 or 2009, there were four of us together, um, I think probably having coffee at, at Panera, probably the one that was by the Dayton Mall at that time. And um, a lot of people were out of work. And so each of us started bringing people in to say, how can we help you? And we started um, helping people with ideas with how to do a resume and how to reach out and find a new job. And I mean, people were freaked out. There was a lot of, a lot oh, of, yeah. a lot of head, head yeah. cuts uh, back then. And so we got to the And point. largely older adults. A- exactly right. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and so then what we did was we, we started having, we went from like four, five, six, eight people to like 40 people in these meetings. We were meeting every other Monday. Uh, and then Panera kicked us out because we were over the fire department's limits. And we moved to, at that time, a restaurant in um, the south side of Centerville, which was called Beef O'Brady's at that time. They let us use the facility, and we would have over 100 people. There was even articles written about us in the, in, in the, um, in the Dayton paper. And I think at that time, I'm not sure we were called the Panarians. I don't, I don't know how that word came about. But today, now 16 years later, we still meet. Um, we have bright a, and early. Bright and early on every other Monday morning from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And we wow. meet, we meet on Zoom because then we can include, include people from um, Colorado. We can include people from uh, the Carolinas. Um, so we've helped people from from all over. And, and we this always is all have done topic. at no cost. You're, you're all not charging it, anybody. All for done this? at no cost. Okay. We have our own website. Um, that we maintain. Um, but um, 
And we have a couple, I mean, I don't do it by myself. We have a couple uh, HR um, specialists who do and a couple other consultants. But last Monday, we had 19 people on the Zoom call, all of them looking for jobs. Wow. So, which gets me to, you did this for no cost, right? Which means your heart's in the right place. Can we talk a little bit about volunteerism, what what you're doing? Because this is where I, I heard your name so much. You're on, like, yeah. the Optimist Committee. You're on... He's on this- boards, uh, advisory boards, left and right. And, in fact, well, we had Kate Bostorf here on an earlier episode for Age-Friendly Centerville, and you're part of that advisory board in addition to many more. Advisory boards, are, you know, that's an interesting um, rule. It's not for everyone. You know, how does that come about? People are listening in. Gosh, I'd like to do that. How, how do those happen? Well, I don't think there's a line that say, get in this line to be on an advisory board. I think you have to kind of follow your heart and follow your passion. Um, when we moved back to the Dayton area back in 89, my nephew came to me and said, Uncle Mike, would you uh, help coach my basketball team at the YMCA? So I haven't played competitive basketball since I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, but I said, sure, I'll come and help. And so I, I coached for a year or two. And the director of the Y came over to me and said, I need your help. And I kind of reached for my wallet thinking he needed a donation. <laughs> and he said, I need somebody on, on our board to help kind of get us more spirited and, and, and move us to another level. So I, I served on the YMCA board for a while. Basically, the YMCA that is in Kettering. And then I moved up to the YMCA board of Greater Dayton, where they have, I don't know how many Ys they have now, 13, 14, 15 Ys. In fact, I think they just opened a new one, if I remember right. Anyway, uh, so I kind of followed my heart in that area. Um, Terry, as you and I talked about, I had been on the Rails to Trails board years before that, helping develop the uh, bike paths along the Little Miami River. So, you know, working for Huffy, but I had been a cyclist, um, you know, for for exercise before Um, I helped uh, Rails to Trails. But I think the first thing that I kind of thought about was is that how do I give back somewhat I had a boss Mm -hmm. at Huffy he said well your life should be divided into three parts it should be uh, the first part of your life you learn the next part of your life you earn and the third part of your life you should give back and so I think by learning from the YMCA and then I was asked to um, since I was involved quite um, for a long time with Miami University um, they have an alumni board and I've been on that alumni board twice uh, which is quite interesting. And then I also worked with a group, a student foundation at Miami too. And so I've, I've, helped, um, I've helped the kids there. So I think mentoring youth then kind of got me on that path. And then that path then led me to uh, join the Center of an Optimist Club. Uh, I just celebrated my, celebrated my 22nd anniversary there. Wow. But um, uh, optimists are uh, friends of youth, and they have uh, they have youth programs, uh, a, um, a basketball program, a soccer program, a fishing derby, a bicycle rodeo, um, a haunted trail, an Easter egg hunt, and so anything to really help our youth, uh, you know, live in a community that's uh, you know a better place to, to live and work and, and play. So well, where do you find the time? I mean, I'm listening to you. I'm exhausted listening to you, how much stuff you do. Where do you find the time? I, I have to segment. I think I have to I have to put up my partitions and say, okay, this is my work time. Like our lunch for Center of an Optimist is every Tuesday at Yankee Trace from twelve to one. Everybody eats lunch, so um, so I'm I'm there. F- 11.30, 11.45. Now, I'm also involved in helping run our golf outing, which we've had 32 years of having this golf outing. Mike Kellerman, the, the uh, uh, 
Officer Kellerman Fund? Or is that uh, no, that's a separate one. But okay. but John and Paula Kellerman are a member. Uh, they're members of our club. Okay. Actually, unfortunately, John's in the hospital right now with some some heart problems. So we've kept him in in our prayers. Um, but um, but this is the Center for New and Optimist. Um, uh, TR for Youth, and so I, I have um, kept involved in, in a, lot, a lot of activities in, in Centerville Noon Optimist Club. So takeaways that I'm hearing, okay, the heart that kept coming up. You you know that there are things you care about, and it actually starts with rolling up your sleeves and volunteering. You know, you're not going to be in this prestigious role. It's not even your design. Just get in there and pitch in on things that you care about. Right. And in the context, the people you meet are amazing, and then they watch you in action, and then, hey, can you help us with that? Can you mm-hmm. help us with this? Um, you just really make that look effortless. Um, well, people say they don't know how to get started in volunteering. Yeah, how and, do you do that? And most most nonprofits have either a fundraising breakfast or a fundraising lunch or a golf outing, as we talked about. So they all of them have some activities, and they welcome um, people to come. Um, I've, I've been going to the daybreak uh, breakfast for... I don't know, 10 years, 12 years, and that's a breakfast. It doesn't cost anything to go. It's in November, and Daybreak is a, a shelter for homeless uh, teens. Right. And so I've been uh, involved in, um, uh, in, in actually bringing other people with me to, uh, to handle a, a table of 8 to 10 people so they understand how important it is for our nonprofits such as Daybreak or such as Dayton Children's to be involved in the community. So as we land this podcast, and again, I'm looking at the clock. It's kind we're of flying time, high. We're here. starting to kind of bring this thing in. Are there any last thoughts that you'd like to leave the the people thinking about retiring, or who have retired and are maybe not happy with what they're doing? What would you tell those folks? Well, I would first thing I would tell the people that um, you you want to get out and not just network, but you want to connect. And people say, well, I don't know how to network, uh, but if they may get out and try to network, then but they're not sure how to connect. And it's just too easy just to say, hey, I need your help uh, without actually learning about what you can offer, how you can help them too. So there's plenty of work. I think our community runs on the nonprofits, you know, whether it's the Optimist Clubs, as we talked about, whether it is Rotary, whether it is helping Hannah's Treasure Chest, right. whether it is helping, um, you know, you, you, you pick the nonprofits. There are many, many nonprofits that are out there and they're looking for professionals who have um, uh, the experience, I think, um, the willingness to help. And unfortunately, today, um, we found out that um, it's tough to get young people involved in volunteering. They're busy with families. Um, Maybe they have a child that on Saturdays has, um, uh, let's say they have soccer practice in the morning. Maybe they have recital practice in the afternoon. And maybe that evening they're on a hockey team or something. So kids today are busy. Oh, yeah. And... um, that's why I like to, to give back because it's tough for us boomers to understand that kids, they have a lot of stress. Sure. Um, and it, whether it's the cell phone or whether it's the, the gaming or whether it's, um, you know, the pressure from what goes on with the kids. But there's so much need for us to help the youth of today. Um, and it's, um, it's easy for people to say, well, just, um, you know, just uh, suck it up and go on. It's not that easy. I agree, so there's Mike. a big need for that. So I think this is a great place where we, we kind of land this podcast. But I can tell you right now, I've, I've, I could listen to you talk all day long. You've got so many great stories 
uh, and your inspiration to me, right? So, uh, Donna, any last thoughts from you? Yeah, there's so many different directions for Mike. So reach out to us to connect with Mike. Um, Mike, is there any website or way that, that maybe listeners who are intrigued by what they heard might reach out to you directly? Yeah, it's easy to find. I'm part of a... Um a consultants group, uh, which is called the Sunrise Alliance. So if you would go to the, the, the sunrisealliance.com, you'd find uh, my information there. Uh, that's the, probably the easiest way to, to find me. And wow. remember, people like Mike happen one small step at a time, right? So just take the next step and the next Correct. step. And, and in time, you'll be amazed at where you are. Well, Mike, thanks so much oh yeah, for joining us. It's a pleasure, us. Donna and Terry. Thank you very much for allowing me to, to be on today. Well, great. So we're going to hear a little word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Thanks to the Del Mar Incor Fellows Initiative at the Dayton Foundation for making this age-friendly Dayton podcast possible. Since 2017, the Dayton Foundation has deployed numerous highly skilled older adults into the community to work as Del Mar Encore Fellows to help communities solve problems and create new opportunities. Thank you again to the Dayton Foundation for making this age-friendly Dayton podcast possible. All right, folks, welcome back. Donna, I got to tell you, of all the people we've had down here, he is one of the most impressive people I've ever seen. I got to tell you, too, that I, 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 I agree. I mean, and it's this perfect blend of this wisdom and insights born of experience. Yep. And then he's such a gracious person that is always leaning in to help others. Um, he's got more energy than me, you, and the rest of this neighborhood put yep. together. Yeah, he's an inspiration for aging beautifully. Absolutely. Um, and I got to tell you, it's also, so we, we covered all these wisdom gems. Every time I sit down with Mike, I am so much smarter. And yep. hopefully our listeners feel the same way. And let me share one more gem because I know I'm pre- preparing for this interview. One thing we didn't get to. If you're thinking about this next Encore chapter, maybe taking on some kind of part-time work assignments, don't forget your alumni chapters where you oh, went to colleges. college yeah I got, those people are so willing to help introduce open doors for you but right. you gotta know what you're you're looking for so so that's like one more tip the flyer alumni well or... I, I do lean into the flyers go flyers <laughs> but the, you know Jason Eckert career services they're doing what is it hire a flyer yeah but there is so much support out there that maybe people don't know is out there so go, go back to your your uh, alma mater it's a great idea. some questions. So any, any last words of wisdom before we say so long? You <clears throat> just keep, we hope we're continuing to provide great insights. By the way, email me at Donna at DonnaCastner.com if there's topics or experts you'd like Terry and I to explore in the future. Are you, um, are, are you wanting them to invite you for dinner over to their house? Kinda, okay, that would be yeah, nice too. But basically, you know, for now, the podcast, <clears throat> what do you want to see us do? We want your feedback. So please. Um, and also we need your help. Tell your friends. If you know of other people that might enjoy this, this podcast, we'd appreciate that word of mouth uh, sharing. All right. Well, at that point, we're going to say so long. Uh, Donna, we'll see you again in a few weeks for the next version of this podcast. Sounds good, Terry. Bye, guys.